to the Scene and Take podcast, a forum of all things that inspire and motivate me as a content creator and image maker. I'm your host, Indio the Gaiarican. The following podcast contains strong language. Today, I am remotely joined by two of my most favorite human beings on the planet. Trevon Blondet and David D. Delgado are photographers who continually inspire me with their thoughtful, beautiful, and thought-provoking images. Trev is a Bronx native, member of the Bronx Photo League at the Bronx Documentary Center, or as we say, the BDC. His work with the Jerome Avenue Workers Project has been featured on the New York Times Lens blog and was published into a book. Trevon also happens to be a longtime friend of mine as we go back like Chico Sticks and Quarter Waters and the seventh grade. D is also a New York-based photographer, lives in the Bronx like us, who has captured images for the New York Times, Getty, Reuters, and the Wall Street Journal, just to name a few. He is also the co-founder of Five Journal, an online magazine that features up-and-coming photogs. Welcome to the podcast, my brothers. Don't don't forget, he was on Jerome Avenue, too. Yes, yes, he was. D is all over the place. Both of you repped on that great project. All of you out there should check it out. Peep the notes. So I want to get right into it and start with D, because he like just literally walked in the door to jump on and do this podcast. D's been capturing and documenting all that is going on with the COVID-19 pandemic here in NYC. He's out there on the front lines, man. Had a recent image on the Times front page. D, give us a sense of how things are going out there in them streets. Yeah, man. Going out there is it's crazy. It's really off the hook right now. You know, you have people that just don't get it through their heads that this is a real serious disease that's going around. The virus is killing people. You see people that are just hanging around each other. My biggest pet peeve right now is a majority of people getting their information off of Facebook. Like, read a damn newspaper, you know? Yeah, man. It's crazy. We're unquestionably the epicenter of the pandemic here in the U.S. Yeah, people out there in the hood, here in the Bronx and in New York City, just they just don't get it. And we know it's pretty crazy out there. I mean, hospitals, they being built in Central Park. I mean, we've seen some posts from healthcare workers pleading with people. What, what are the healthcare workers you talking to, what they're saying about all this? Man, what I'm hearing from everybody that's out in the field, you know, in the front line of this is that being one of the richest countries in the world, being the most powerful and so forth, we were not ready for this. That's why over and over again, you know, I keep hearing, you know, nurses are complaining they don't have the proper gear that they need. They're complaining that they don't have, you know, basic and basic PPE, you know, and, you know, uh, yesterday I was in Montefiore and Nurses were saying that the the administration is telling them, you know, you're only going to get one N95 for the day. And if you need more than that, you need to bring it from home. Like, it's like. Wow. And that's a 12 hour shift. Exactly. You know, and on top of all that, you know, they're seeing their colleagues pass away. And, you know, it's it's not it's not a pretty sight, man. It's pretty much like a real battlefield out there right now. And Trev, you're working within the public health sector. How are you seeing things going on out there? Most of my job is driving around the Bronx looking for the most vulnerable 
wrong sites and depends on the, the neighborhood. So when I'm on Webster Avenue near 170th, 168th near the projects, there's right. nothing going on there. It looks like it's nothing going on. But then you go a couple blocks down near St. Barnabas Hospital and you see masks and gloves and, and people with more precaution taken with care. And so it depends. The people who, who get their news from Facebook or, or memes or from the salacious news sites, you know, any news sites on TV, it's for profit. And so their goal is to entertain us. And so like D is saying, pick up a book, pick up a newspaper and read what people are saying. Sometimes I, I check BBC America to see what they're saying about us on their side. Right. Al Jazeera, look what they're yeah. saying about us. Instead of listening to what they say on CNN or Fox or News 12, which is basically yeah. a copy and paste it from AP or Reuters or whatever, you know. Yeah. And, and so documenting in public with all that's happening with COVID-19 and obviously as a photographer, safety is paramount. We actually talked about what images to get out there within the community. But, right. um, do you see a shift in the way street photography has to be approached now or even later when the coast is seemingly clear? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of other street photographers on Instagram and, and they're posting people with the masks. And, and basically that's the main story you could see from this pandemic, let's just say, because you can't see the fever. You can't see anything else. You see gloves and masks. I mean, I'm not sure if it can really change street photography because that really it's not really up and close and personal. Sometimes it comes personal and then you get a good story from some that from a portrait or from that engagement. But I don't say it's really changing with street photography. I think people are going to be out keeping their distance um, as usual and doing candidates. Right. And D, you've captured the scenes at a couple of testing sites. I know we, we've seen the Suffolk County and the Jersey Burb pull up sites, which obviously everybody drives out there. But I'm curious how things went over at Bay Plaza, which is near and serves the co-op city community. I know people do drive over in that area and everything, but, you know, it is still New York City and a lot of people walk, you know, to places and things like that, especially Co-op City is so compact and obviously Bay Plaza is right there for the taking. So uh, was it packed over there at that testing site? How do you see the testing going here in the Bronx? In the Bronx, it was pretty slow. You know, you had one or two cars rolling up every every couple of minutes, you know, every five, 10 minutes or so. You actually had more people walking up and they were, they were saying, you know, we currently don't have any walk up sites and so forth. And I heard one soldier tell tell an elderly woman, you can call an Uber and have him drive you through. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, like. If she has it, then she's exposing the driver. I've seen that. I saw the day prior to covering the drive-in, the drive-in site, I saw a walk-up site on the concourse in 184th. And I kept asking, is this legit? Because the guys that were doing the test, they obviously did not know what the hell they were doing. They were going through the just the outer rim of the nose when you're supposed to go deep into the nasal cavity with the swab. You know, the person that was from the clinic came out. He was like, you guys are good. They're like, yeah, we're good. And, you know, he was like, you guys know what you're doing, right? He, they're like, yeah. But meantime, I'm looking at them and I'm like, they don't know what they're doing. And to this day, I've searched and I've Googled to see if there's any walk-up sites. There's no walk-up sites. So I don't know what's going on with that one. I've brought it up to a couple of editors and so forth, and they've 
pretty much disregarded. I brought that up to a police officer when I was on site. I was like, yo, can y'all check with that? It's legit. They went up and asked, but, you know, they told them, yeah, we're legit. And they just believed it and ran with it. <laughs> One of my coworkers on Monday that just passed, she came in a little distraught because she has an older mother and two young boys. And so she lives in, in Co-op City. So she attempted to walk up and they turned her away. Yeah, and so I suggested get a zip car, rent it for a couple hours or the, the time you need for the test and just drive up. They found out that you need a referral from your doctors before you're driving up to those walk up sites. Wow, that's crazy. It's unfortunate, but schemas won't be deterred from looking for prey, especially right. during a crisis. We all know that. Right. I know like us as New Yorkers that drive, you know, we we good, obviously, if we had to do something like that. But one would think that walk up testing sites would be implemented here in the city with, you know, dense populations. They wouldn't set up a drive up testing site on Park Avenue, right? Probably have house calls happening, truth be told. It's like that old notion, services rendered, you know, according to your zip code. Yeah, because they're definitely overlooking, you know, the the least fortunate. They're definitely overlooking them. And, you know, not everybody has access to an Uber, to zip car, to be able to drive up. And if they're sick and they're just wondering if they want to get, a, you know, the test done, they, they can't. They're being completely disregarded and looked over. And, you know, another is another that's been highlighted. D, what's been your observation from the people of the city working on this epidemic, like the police, the EMTs, et cetera? Well, I'm going to tell you, um, I've seen a lot of police officers that are like really just being, what's the, let me, I don't want to sound offensive, but yeah, you can curse. <laughs> but, you know, they're just being real cowboys. You know, they're okay. not wearing masks. They're approaching people, and you know, they're just acting. And they're really, I see, and and it's enough that it's caught my it caught my attention where they're just being so so disregarded with their own safety and the safety right. of the, the community because they're interacting with them also. And yeah, they no mask, no nothing, man. Just walking around. As far as EMTs, man, um, my brother's an EMT. There's a place in my heart for for them, and I see them, and they're overworked. They're really, really overworked. The city actually contracted like American Medical Response and other ambulance ambulance private companies to you know to help relieve the pressure off the EMTs because like a week and a half ago, my brother was working doubles, sleeping in the station. And going right back to work, he wasn't even going home. It was that serious. You know, EMTs, they don't do triage. They patch you up and they get you to the hospital. Now they're being forced to do a triage and determine whether a person's well enough to go to the hospital or if they should sit it out at home. In my building, a couple older nurses, I think they're probably 60 plus years old. They were told to go home until this clears up. And so they're short staffed wherever hospital they work at. And so these nurses without experience are really grinding their gears to really help people. So I, I completely understand that. And I don't know if you guys saw earlier, uh, I got a, an emergency alert calling for healthcare volunteers. Volunteer. Right. Yeah. To help alleviate, you know, the strain on the workforce. It's like a all hands on deck situation. It's, it's surreal. And so the, you know, being that you've been out there, 
and seeing this firsthand, there's all these people that are itching to get outside and all that. What what do you say to all the photographers, anybody really that wants to go out there and, you know, kind of get some fresh air? Right now, I would tell I would tell everybody, stay home. Like this is not a time where you're going out to take images that are for Instagram and so forth. This is not the time for that. Like I would tell everybody, just stay home. It kind of leads me to this. You know, I got into a really I never I never lose my temper when I'm in the field. I always let things roll off my back. As as Trayvon knows, I have a very short temper, but usually when I'm in the field, I let that I let everything roll off my back. Today was one of those days where I just can't bite my tongue anymore. You know, we've uh, the media has the media has been getting a lot of flack the past couple of days. And, you know, a lot of people are short tempered. And this one guy today, he came up to me and he came up to me and a crowd of other photojournalists. And he tells he's like, why don't you uh, why are you guys being vultures? And he's like, why are you taking photos of bodies being rolled out of the hospital? And I was going to let it go, but he kept pushing it. And then I, I finally lost my temper. And I told him, I was like, you know, what the f- do you think? We're not here because we're chasing a f- Kardashian. We're not f- paparazzis. We're journalists. But I also know the images I'm taking are important enough that if I show that one photo of a body and one kid sees it and he's like, yo, nah, I'm not going to go out and play ball with my friends today, then I did my f- job. That's an interesting point you make. You know, one image can form a change in in the mentality of what people are thinking, because we we seeing it, we hearing it. Uh, you had kids in Florida spring break in it. It was people in South Carolina. They don't even have a shelter in place yet. And I saw in the New York Times, a Lowe's down there was like packed to the brim, like people doing their quote unquote spring cleaning and all that. I mean, soon enough, we're all going to see that they're going to get ill affected by this, yet there's nothing being done at the state and, and local governments there. Uh, don't they see what's happening in, in New York? What what's happened happen- in Washington State? Happened in Italy, Cali? You know, it's like, yeah. It's been, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and the one thing I wanted to go back to specifically, D, to what you said in terms of, you know, the images of the bodies being removed. Um, I think of when you you post daily on IG the uh, the data sheets of cases, deaths, and the age demographics. You know, we see the numbers, we know the impact of it, but then for others, they just gloss over it, right? Uh, I mean, they're like desensitized. When the longtime audio tech at NBC passed away from COVID nineteen, they did like a tribute to him, right? And they were saying, here's a person that we knew and loved and he had a family and now he's gone. It's like, you know, people have to touch the flame before they believe the fire can burn. I mean, a friend of mine is currently on a respirator and all we could do is hope that he keeps fighting. Nobody could go see him. I know, Trev, down by you, you still have people that are skeptical and, and don't believe this is happening, right? Yeah, I mean, I I know some people who they believe that it's not real because they don't know anyone who tested positive or no one related to them tested positive. And so it might be a hoax. I can't really talk to them. I let them, you know, spot out the nonsense they believe and just educate them. Same thing. Just educate, educate, educate. And at some point, something will sink like a photographer taking that perfect photograph. That'll sink to somebody. If one person sees it and takes heed, 
then job well done. Yeah, that's why, you know, like you said, I post the sheet daily. That's like kind of my anti-Facebook bullshit. You know, I try to put, um, that's why you constantly see I'm constantly posting stuff. It's not, it's because I want people that don't read a newspaper to see something that's true. And hopefully it sinks in their head. You know, hopefully they, they're like, oh shit, this shit is real. That's kind of why I constantly, I'm constantly posting something about, you know, that's, that's fact because right. I want to help educate, you know, um, eventually we're all going to have somebody that's been affected. You know, my aunt, knock on wood, she was just a couple of days ago. She was sick. They told her, no, you're not showing enough symptoms. Stay home. She's 85 years old. Two days later, she just couldn't take it anymore. They called again. She called again. They took her to the hospital. She tested positive. They came, you know, doctors called us. We're like, look, she tested positive. X-rays aren't looking too good. We spoke to her about a respirator. And they said, your aunt's response was, don't use it on me. Use it on somebody you can save. And my first reaction is, that's not her choice. It is her choice. But I'm like, no, that's not her choice. And I'm like, and I can't speak to her. I can't see her and say any different and and I was here fucking losing my shit. I'm not even going to lie because I'm really close to my aunt. And just hearing her her to choose to be like, don't use the respirator on me, use it on somebody you can save. We shouldn't be in a position where you have to say, use it on somebody that can that can be saved. Everybody should have that equal opportunity, you know, to be saved. Right. And she ended up getting sent home today. She showed recovery pretty fast. She was sick for a couple of days before that. So we're assuming, you know, she's over the worst of it right now. That's why they sent her home. They sent her home today. But my biggest fear was the entire time was her passing away and somebody not being there with her, Mm. you know, because none of us, especially people with family and loved ones, they should not be able to have that, have to pass away alone. You know, one of the hardest things for me to deal with. It's really one of those things where, like you said, to have to go through things like by yourself is such a scary thought. And now on both ends of the spectrum, right, they're talking about having only pregnant women giving birth where the father can't be there. But I think Governor Cuomo here in New York is asking husbands to be allowed in. And of course, we have conflicting information. Changing information is is definitely frustrating. And then we're learning about it as we go. Right. It's all like now it's. You could be asymptomatic and still spread it, but just by speaking. So wear a mask, you know, and right. and ain't it cringy seeing people going out there without masks or gloves in the in the open air? Yeah. Practice social distancing. I mean, that's what they say. Right. But now how much is really floating in the I mean, air? I, like, I've, I've heard all these mixed like if it misinformation about if it's airborne, you have three hours like lifetime floating around. If it's on your door handles like three days. Just give me a set, a set rule, and I'll yeah. go by that. As it changes by the day, you know. It gets confusing. Right. But at the same time, I do believe if you stay at home and you're self-isolating, self-containing, then the probability is even less, right? But we do need to get our supplies. There are people putting themselves in danger by delivering to us, right? And they don't know whether or not they have it. And in, in all seriousness, there will be more deaths. Many could have been preventable. And unfortunately, due to the lack of preparedness, lack of discipline in people's mindsets, this situation is going to continue a bit longer. I know this episode was a little bleak this time around, but it's real. 
We're all living through this. And we, if you need to talk to somebody, reach out to a friend, family member and check in with your folks. You know, the ones you care about, especially get on IG live and dance around to that DJ D nice homeschool quarantine party. Yeah, yeah those are those are dope. Yeah, it's been nice to see that BX representing. Everybody's doing them now. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's doing them now. <laughs> he set it off right. Kind of jump the shark. After he did that, man, he, he went and gained what was it, a million and a half followers overnight? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. He was doing his thing for a minute, but now it's like overnight was was crazy. But a few of my boys doing their thing. Shout out to my boys, B. Scott, Cozy, Mono, Radar, and Lito. All my uh, homies out there, DJs that been doing their thing for many, many years. It just so happened that everybody's home right now, so, you know, they need to be entertained, and this is one of the best ways to... Relax your mind and enjoy the show. Listen to music and keep it moving. I've been seeing all those challenges. You know, you got the photo challenges. There should be no photography challenges. I know, but... Maybe the archive challenge. Well, you know, those home challenges that you can do. Oh, gotcha. You know, when, like me, I stay up late sometimes and I just want to do something, not watch the news. And I'm going to try to set up some macro challenges for myself, you know, test out the camera the way that I've never done it before, lighting, all that stuff, you know, just to keep myself busy. Mm. You know, I'm in sports and there ain't no sports right now, so I got to keep my mind occupied doing something. It's my opportunity to hone in on those photography skills since, you know, I'm not going to be going outside like that. Right. Yeah, I found some joy going through my archive, through my hard drive and seeing, I mean, after a couple of years of, of shooting, you have a whole a hard drive of photographs. And my thing is, after I go through the event I've gone through, I've went to, I don't look at it again. So after maybe two years, I've been looking through some events I've gone through, rallies, portraits. I found some gems that didn't really come to light because of this until now, basically. And D, what about you? Have you been able to hit up those archives when you're not out there in them streets? And I've been, I was trying to, but yeah, you know, because I, I, I try to pace myself, you know, I don't want to be out there every single day, but usually those days when I am home, I'm just so mentally drained from all the days I've been out yeah. that I just want to catch some anime or something like that. I don't want to work, you know, just right. kind of working a little bit on a, on a project that I had started, which now is like. I don't know where it's going to go, man, because with all this going on, it's like I can't really work on it. You know, I can't approach people, you know, people are not going to, I don't, they're not going to want me in their face, you know, taking their portraits and so forth, man. Right. So I really don't even know where it's going to go right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you guys for coming on to the podcast. D, I know it's been a long day for you, so I'm not going to keep you any longer. Be safe out there. Stay home as much as you can. Let's keep checking in with each other, man. And all my best to the families. Hopefully we'll get through this sooner than later. Be safe. Peace. The Scene and Take podcast has been brought to you by Gaia Rican Productions. This episode was recorded on April 3rd, produced and edited by yours truly, music licensed through artlist.io, not sponsored. This is Indio the Gaia Rican. Catch y'all on the next one. Wash your hands, stay safe, peace. <laughs>